Hello, welcome to the Grand Prix 24-7 podcast, your weekly insight into the world of Formula One. Not for the first time at Silverstone, we had uh, some tyre issues to talk about in uh, what became an eventful British Grand Prix. Welcome to the Grand Prix 24-7 podcast. I'm your host, Will Dodds, and uh, once again, I'm joined by the editor of the Grand Prix 24-7 website, Ben Stevens. Ben, uh, we were just talking off air. You said you were bored for 50 laps and uh, very much not bored for two laps. Uh, what a what a bizarre end to a Grand Prix. Yeah, well, that's F1 racing for you, isn't it? It can just come alive at any time and goes from being a sport that's like watching paint dry, although it wasn't that bad, to being easily the most exciting sport on the planet. And that's why we love it. Yeah, I think that's... Uh... That's kind of the the risk and reward and the, the excitement of the whole thing. Um, personally, I, I I still thought there were some interesting elements. I think a real big blow that the race had is basically just the, the, the loss of strategy that the early safety cars created. But obviously, while that meant kind of uh, very similar strategy from all the teams for the middle kind of sector of the race, it would also obviously create this mayhem towards the end. So I guess, you know, there's pros and cons of of everything. But um, before we get into kind of discussing the race itself, uh, a few big talking points uh, from the weekend as well. Firstly, Sergio Perez um, is unable to race because of uh, contracting uh, COVID-19. I understand that he's asymptomatic, but I'm sure that we all uh, wish him well in his recovery. But uh, obviously, this is the first driver to be diagnosed with COVID-19 and miss out as a result. So we have uh, uh, Nico Hülkenberg kind of dragged in off the off the beach or whatever he's been doing um, to to replace him. Um, this is a pretty fast-moving story over kind of um, Wednesday and Thursday. So what did you make of, of F1's handling it, of the situation and kind of of Racing Point's decision to bring in Hülkenberg? Yeah, it was obviously a pretty crazy 24, 48 hours there. Uh, I don't really blame Sergio for going home. I think there might have been, uh, there could have been a bit more uh, communication that that was happening. So I think, I could be wrong here, but I think Racing Point initially said after the news broke that he hadn't been home. Uh, and then after the fact, corrected themselves, said no, he had been back to Mexico. So there was a bit of confusion there. But really, I don't blame him for that because obviously he had his mother's accident and He's not the only driver to sort of, you know, put himself at risk in a way, I suppose, uh, going outside the bubble between races. So, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just sad. And that's it's just the reality of the world we live in that, you know, and maybe that's the sort of the wake-up call maybe a lot of F1 fans need is that this virus can affect anyone. It can affect your favourite F1 driver, you know. Uh, so if they're not safe, none of us are. We really have to take the precautions. But in any case, bringing in Hülkenberg is definitely... Uh, an interesting move. I, I, I thought it was uh, prob- probably the best they had on short notice. I know that even though uh, Stoffel van Dorn is technically their reserve driver through the agreement with Mercedes, he wasn't available with Formula E. And then Esteban Gutierrez, the other one, that didn't, I believe doesn't have a super license. So, yeah, Nico was definitely the choice to go with there. And yeah, he's, a, he's a quality driver. As much as the weekend didn't go in his favour, ultimately... I think you know, with a bit more time in time, time in the seat, he's going to uh, 
deliver some good results. And I think there's actually this is this is just my sort of theory, as you say, Sergio is asymptomatic. Uh, I'm not sure if that's still the case, uh, but he could be, you know, he could be uh, out longer than just this weekend if uh, you know he can't pass the test. So you know, we could see Nico still in the car for another week or two, and yeah, I would absolutely expect him to be up amongst the top five with that car underneath him if he's, you know, if he can find a sort of his uh, comfort level in the car. Yeah, I think first and foremost, I want to say that I think that Sergio Perez returning home to visit his mother, who's been in an accident and is in hospital, is a slightly different situation to Valtteri Bottas and Charles Leclerc just nipping back to Monaco because they fancy it. So I think there's a distinction there. Obviously, it, it, it's still unwise and it's obviously kind of cost him dearly in the fact that he's unable to probably compete in not just this Grand Prix but the next one because I think he has to take 10 days away from the sport so you know it's costing him a chance to score valuable points potentially score podium so you know it's cost him dearly but I think it's a slightly different situation uh, to some of the other drivers who've kind of exited the F1 bubble um, in terms of Hulkenberg yeah I mean I've always quite liked Hulkenberg as a driver and I was quite sad to see him go um, to be honest and uh, yeah it was, it was cool seeing him back in the sport um, to see him uh, I think get up to speed so quickly in a car that he's never driven before you know pretty much spent practice just learning what all the buttons do and you know just kind of get familiarised didn't have a proper seat fit you know kind of pretty brief um, seat fitting as well on the Thursday so I think he did a pretty decent job. Uh, you know, he wasn't too far off off Q three, and I think that you know, with the full practice behind him next weekend, if he does race, then um, yeah, then I expect to see a bit more from him. But uh, just away from from Hulkenberg and the racing point situation, uh, I think we should have very briefly touch on Formula One's um, initiative to you know the end racism, uh, we race as one initiative, um, and they obviously they'd introduced a, a video. Uh, this week and I think in an attempt to, to get a bit more organised in, in their response um, frankly I'm still quite disappointed to see so many drive, drivers refusing to take a knee um, and as while, while this was better organised I still think that it shows that you know I think as, as much as, as Formula 1 want to kind of push this We Race as One um, initiative that I think it, it's not quite having the impact and I think compared to other sports it's a it's a bit of a rubbish situation for sports being yeah you, as you say you compare it to you know sports from the Premier League to the NBA to whatever and it's definitely doesn't give off exactly the same impression or the impression you might want to give off when you sort of see the organization and the uh, you know the, the sort of Working together of the drivers uh, isn't quite there. Um, and then, you know, I, I, personally, I think the stand or the stand or kneel thing is a bit uh, maybe complex. I'm not necessarily faulting the drivers who do stand because I think they can come from forgivable, uh, you know, reasons. And, and as much as I personally, if that if I was in that situation, I would take a knee. Um, I think you know. That has to be up to every driver. I think it is up to every driver, and that's one thing I want. I want to put on the record is that I, you see a lot of people saying, "Well, 
Lewis is bullying people into taking the knee, and I don't think that's true at all. I think that's nonsense. I think Lewis is quite right to be very vocal about this, and he wants people to understand his point of view, especially his colleagues. And, you know, he wants, he want, obviously for him, he wants that solidarity of them all taking the knee. Um, if it doesn't happen, though, it doesn't happen, and that that's okay. Uh, but above and beyond this, I think F1 needs to keep this up. And if they can't get their drivers to take it, all take a knee, as a lot of other sports have got all their athletes to do so, um, then they have to, you know, sustain their effort in other ways. And I'll be watching that very closely going forward and... Hopefully they don't go back to the to what happened in the last three races where they sort of patted themselves all on the back after Austria and then just let it sort of fall away. If that happens again, uh, well, it was unacceptable the first time, but I'd be uh, I'd very, very disappointed for that to happen again because there is a long way, a long way for motorsport and F1 in particular to go in terms of improving opportunities for people of minorities and you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I, I just think when I look at other sports and see everyone taking a knee and showing a real sense of solidarity and, you know, it's also a sign that they're saying, like, we, we want to do this and we want to actually take action, maybe put ourselves outside our comfort zone and, and show that this isn't just an issue that they're paying lip service to. This is something that they'll actually do something and even if they face criticism, that they're, they're willing to do that. And you've seen that in all the sports you mentioned. And uh, yeah, I just think it's, it's a shame, especially to see people saying that Hamilton's forcing people into doing it because you don't see that in Premier League. You don't see that in the NBA. They're not kind of highlighting uh, uh, a kind of significant black figure and saying, oh, this person's forcing them to all to do it. They all are understanding the importance of doing it and they're doing it and they're all doing it together. So I think it's a, it's a slightly endemic of the, pro- the problem that we have in F1 that people are highlighting Hamilton as, as being the problem, where I think that that's clearly not the case. But um, moving on to uh, moving on to the qualifying session itself, and uh, it, it was a, it was a pretty interesting one. I think that we all thought that Lewis was potentially going to miss out on pole because Bottas was just looking stronger uh, in FP3, in Q1, and Q2, and obviously Hamilton had that spin. But uh, in the end, he he put in two really stunning laps both of which would have been good enough for pole. And uh, yeah, just kind of when it really came down to it, uh, Bottas didn't have an answer for him. Yeah, and <laughs> that's something you can say about Lewis and Valtteri for a lot of the time, isn't it? Uh, when the chips are down, Lewis just finds that extra gear and he did that again on Saturday. Um, Valtteri, Valtteri, you know, there's no shame in finishing uh, three tenths off and he still had a very good lap, uh, but clearly Lewis is just on it right now with the car, and he's going to be the favourite for every qualifying he goes into until something uh, dramatic changes. Because yeah, he's just he's just feeling it. Uh, away from the very front, I think Charles Leclerc in, in fourth uh, was a, a very strong effort, and um, it was really good to see both the Renaults in uh, in Q three. I think that that car is much better than it was last year. Uh, it looks like it can work on a broader range of circuits. And Ricardo actually came with a third point finish in a row. That would have been four points finishes from the first four races, I think, had uh, he not faced technical issues in uh, Austria. Um, I just think that he really looks like he's getting the most out of it. And to see both those drivers in Q3, 
that's a really nice position for them to build on. You know, if they can do that again next weekend, get both drivers in the points again. I think there's things are looking for up for Renault, and I don't think we should discount them from that battle with McLaren Racing Point of Ferrari just yet because they seem to be on the up a bit. Yeah, they definitely have uh, have shown some significant improvement this year. There's absolutely no denying that. And as you say, there's pace there, and there, it definitely was there on Sunday, which I'm sure we'll talk about to, uh, you know, not just you know, be alongside or near the McLarens and the racing points, but to get by them. And yeah, I think, uh, as you say as well, I think like probably one of the main strengths is that this does seem to be a car for sort of a wide variety of circuits. And that's going to always, uh, you know, put you in a good position. And then you, you've got two very good drivers, one in Daniel Ricciardo, who might be one of the best on the grid. Um, yeah, they're they're, uh, they're they're a team that definitely can't be discounted going forward. Yeah, and uh, to from those two two uh, two drivers kind of um, at the opposite end uh, end of things. Um, firstly, uh, George Russell, another brilliant qualifying performance, but unfortunately picked up a, a five place grid penalty, which uh, kind of undid a lot of his his good work. So he was starting at the back, but. Um, yeah, Williams definitely looked to be improved. Uh, we talked about that upgrade package in our preview episode, and they were definitely much quicker in the race. So that's a really good sign for them. But uh, Alex Albon, um, you know, missing out in Q3 for a second week in a row, he really looks like he's struggling now. And I, I've, I'm starting to feel sorry for him because the pressure inside that team must just be be horrible and it's it's just such a difficult task it's a difficult car to drive he's up against such a good teammate he's still really inexperienced um but yeah it's it's tough I, I can't it's increasingly kind of thinking like you watch how Gasly struggled now you're watching how Albon struggled and there has to be more to it because these are two top quality drivers you know Gasly has been immense so far this season so there must be more to it than just you know, Albon or, or Gasly just aren't good enough because the way they're struggling is just not indicative of, in my view, of how much talent they have. You know, not necessarily saying that they're kind of necessarily elite level drivers, like right, right at the top level, but they're still very good. And uh, it's a shame to see them struggling, him struggling like this. Yeah, for me, it's a it's a very strange one uh, for a lot of the reasons you mentioned, but as well as just the fact that. I think it's I think it's widely accepted that Red Bull tends to find one horse and back it. They did it with Vettel back in the day. Understandably, he was easily the best driver in that team over Mark Webber. But then Ricardo came in. That sort of maybe inadvertently changed. And then they did it with Max, but Ricardo sort of kept up, which is sort of the interesting comparison I think then to Gasly and Albon is because as good as they are, is there a sort of still quite a sizable gap? between uh, Verstappen and Gasly and Albon that, you know, is is causing these problems? I, I'm not sure. It, 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 and it, as you say, it could just be the the pressure in the team, which is, is clearly there. And when you've got a guy like Helmut Marco, it's never going to go away. That's just, that's just the reality of the situation. Until he goes away, that doesn't go away. So for Alex, you put all those things together. You put together also the, the fact that just Saturday in general was just, well, front. FP2 as well, actually, you know, he's, he, he crashes out in FP2, has problems in FP3, like the preparation's just not there. Then he comes in, he's already under immense pressure. It's just, it's one of those situations where uh, when it rains, it pours, you know, and as you say, you feel, you feel sorry for him. But I almost wonder at this point, 
that it's too far gone and it might be better to move on, as harsh as that is to say. Because the flip side to all this sort of stuff, talking about the pressure, is that F1's a results-driven business and the simple fact is he's not delivering the results. 12th in a Red Bull in qualifying, that's not good enough. 8th on the race day when your teammate's second and he's consistently up there in the podium positions, that's not good enough. Uh, maybe it's the same thing happens with Gasly. Uh, you know, if they if they swap them back, uh, that that wouldn't surprise me because you know all all the things we've mentioned. But yeah, as I say, it's a results driven business. No, I think you're right, um, and I I don't think that he's driving well enough, um, pure and simply. Uh, I think Daniel Ricciardo is the person who's coming out of this whole situation with the most credit, though, because you know. He was challenging Max. He was winning races right up until his final season. And, you know, despite having kind of eight retirements in his last season, largely due to, to issues with the Renault engine, he was competing in the top six every race, qualifying in the top six every race. And, you know, that's what they need from their, their driver in that second seat. And, uh, yeah, I don't think that either Gasly or Albon are quite in the level or the the league of Daniel Ricciardo, and uh, yeah, I think I think I don't think they can get rid of Albon yet. I think that it's probably worth giving him the season because you know they don't have the tie that you know they don't have. It doesn't look like they're going to be in the championship fight. It looks like they're probably quite nailed on for second place just because of Verstappen's consistency of results, and uh, you know because they are cl- kind of clearly the second best car, but. Uh, it's a it's a real worry for for Albon and for the team, but uh, yeah, I think I think it's interesting to see that team as a whole just coming under a bit more pressure now than they have been in the past, because you know they're they're being beaten, thoroughly beaten by Mercedes, and this was supposed to be the season where they closed that gap. Um, so moving on to the race itself, uh, Albon unfortunately is involved in an incident on lap one, taking out uh, Kevin Magnussen. Um, and that kind of triggers a safety car. But just winding back very quickly to the actual race start, um, I think Bottas does get the slightly better start than Hamilton up front. Um, but going into that first corner, he, he seems to just lift, kind of maybe he's he's squeezed slightly inside towards the right-hand side of the track, uh, and Hamilton doesn't, he goes around the outside. At first, I kind of thought it looked a little bit like Bottas was maybe a bit submissive to, to Hamilton and kind of, let him through, but I think perhaps Hamilton. <laughs> no, I, I, I just think that, I just think that that was his chance. You know, as soon as Hamilton gets out ahead of, ahead of him after turn one, everyone's like, all right, that's race over almost, and that's kind of how it felt. And as much as I think actually this is a much better race driver than Bottas than we've seen in recent weeks, he, he was never within a second really. He never ever looked like he was going to overtake Hamilton and he then had his strategy option taken away when we had the second safety car but um, I just wanted to see him be a bit, little bit more aggressive on that first corner because I think that was his chance and I, I don't think he I don't necessarily think he, he was ne- like in pole position and, sorry no, that's poor choice of words sorry I don't think he was necessarily like in the prime position to, to get past Hamilton but I think he could have maybe made it a little bit harder yeah, it's almost getting to the point, especially now, with Lewis has got the 30-point margin. Like, you wonder, if that situation happens and you're Valtteri, do you just say, stuff this, 
I'm either getting past or we're crashing. And just see what happens, as, as crazy as that might sound. Because, as you say, he's, he's, a, he's just a bit too passive in those moments. And maybe in, just in his head, he needs to sort of force the issue a bit more. Because he's clearly not going to get past him if he doesn't get past him in that first corner. It's just, that's not going to happen. The, the, the cars are too even, and Lewis is the better driver. So... You know he needs to he needs to get an early advantage and then you know hold it. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a it's a tricky one. And I, I you know we we can all we've been doing this now for what three years. This is the fourth year we've been uh, waiting for Valtteri to sort of find that extra bit of uh, I don't know uh, animosity he can uh, you know cause in Lewis and he hasn't done it. Um, but yeah, uh, I I don't think I don't, I don't I don't I don't think he just he maybe just doesn't have it in him as 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 harsh as it is to say as good as a driver as he is maybe you know he just doesn't have have it in him he hasn't done it by now when will he do it I don't know yeah I, I don't think that he's the kind of driver I can ever see just like deliberately driving into his teammate um, it doesn't matter how tense that that championship battle is although it's now starting to look like it might not be very tense um, I just I can't see that happening although I can understand the thought because yeah, that, that is his chance and uh, I think he just needs to be a little bit more aggressive um, elsewhere uh, Lando Norris dropped back a few places his teammate Carlos Sainz um, gained on him we saw Daniel Ricciardo and Espan Ocon getting stuck in at the start which uh, was, was good to see um, and, and yeah, I think that as as we kind of mentioned towards the start of the show, that those safety cars just kind of killed the race a little bit because it meant that everyone was going onto the same tire, apart from Roman Grosjean, who is is now if this kind of has just basically doing the opposite to everyone else, I think it's just going to become it's just going to become their strategy now because you know they're willing they're willing to take a chance and uh, maybe that's something that Williams or or Alfa Romeo could try as well because they're in a similar boat to Haas really. But um, yeah, from a strategy perspective, that did kind of kill things. But I, I do think that, that that midfield battle, particularly between the McLarens and the Renault of Daniel Ricciardo, was really interesting. Um, you know, even after getting past Grosjean, the McLarens weren't allowed to pull away from Ricciardo. He really kept on putting the pressure on. And then when Sainz's tyres start to wane at the end, Lando Norris is on the radio saying, let, you know, let me pass Sainz, uh, I can go quicker than this. The team don't react quickly enough. Then suddenly Sainz's, uh, his tyres go and then Ricardo gets past Norris. And, you know, Ricardo's gained two places there and, and McLaren have lost positions because maybe they just didn't react quickly enough. But I think that was really impressive driving from Ricardo. And he was definitely one of the best drivers of the day for me because he just, ke- he just kept on their tails the whole time. He was pressuring them the whole time and then he took his opportunity when it came. Yeah, well, I think that's something that uh, Daniel's always uh, had in his lockers that sort of sense, you know, that 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 sort of sense for the moment that uh, you know recognizes an opportunity, and then he sort of maybe he doesn't even consciously do it, but he he does sort of uh, go to another level, and so he got that opportunity uh, and he made it count, and he's done that many times before, and I think that's why he's one of the more highly regarded drivers on the grid. You could say. Uh, you know, as quick as he is, there's probably qu- quicker drivers in terms of pure pace. But yeah, he just senses those moments and and almost always makes the most of them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, I think 
he seemed pretty chuffed with that result after the after the race. I just I just like the fact that we're getting another team coming into this battle because unfortunately we're not getting a battle up the front. So what we want is this midfield to be really compact and to see Renault, Racing Point, Ferrari and McLaren all on a kind of like a similar footing would be amazing. And, you know, that battle for third could really heat up and, uh, you know, we'll see maybe like Lando Norris is currently fourth in the standings and Vettel's like down in 12th. So I think it's just the kind of unpredictability in the midfield can really make up for the lack of unpredictability at the front um, of the grid. I do want a quick word from you on Williams. Um, they definitely look like they've taken a step forward in race pace. Um, you know, Russell was starting from the back alongside Latifi, but you know, we actually saw Latifi making a move, move going past Kimi Raikkonen. Russell finished ahead of uh, obviously Magnussen retired, but finished ahead of Grosjean as well, and Raikkonen, and ahead of uh, his his teammate Latifi. Uh, and then with Giovinazzi getting a five second penalty, he actually came in twelfth. Um, I thought this was really promising from Williams um, because yeah now they look like they've they they obviously have made strides in qualifying but now they look like they've also made some strides in the race and that's really promising and they might actually now be not the worst team on the grid oh absolutely I don't think they're the worst team on the grid I think at least in terms of pure pace uh, that battles between Alpha and Haas <laughs> I think they've, but 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 overall, it's it's probably those three teams, and then you know, Russell makes the difference with his quality. But as you said, Latifi had a nice day as well yesterday. Uh, yeah, so I'd I'd say they can definitely be pleased with their weekend. They said they were bringing you know significant upgrades, and those upgrades seem to have worked. And you know, that's all you can really ask, isn't it? Uh, it's maybe not going to get them into the points unless something ultra crazy happens, uh, and you know. That kind of happened on Sunday, but just not crazy enough, I suppose, for them. But uh, yeah, it's 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 definitely a, a big step, and I would be uh, very pleased if I was Claire Williams. Uh, There's still a very very long way to go, of course, but considering where they've come from, where they were basically a Formula Two team, uh, just in terms of performance relative to the field, uh, yeah, it's 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 great to see. Yeah, no, I agree, and. Uh... It's not necessarily that it's Williams, which is a a team that has a lot of history, but also you just don't want to see any team cut adrift at the back. So it's good to see them kind of now mixing it a bit um, with some of the other teams towards towards the back. On to another driver who really struggled in this race, and that was uh, Sebastian Vettel. Um, You know, he got passed on merit by Pierre Gasly and the AlphaTauri. Um, and finished 10th, where his teammate finished 3rd. Um, for me, that there is something not quite right about this result. Um, because, you know, Vettel has actually been on pace this season so far. You know, he out-qualified uh, Leclerc and out-raced Leclerc in Hungary. He out-qualified Leclerc uh, at the Styrian Grand Prix in the wet. So to see him suddenly take such a huge step backwards, for me it doesn't quite add up I don't know if, if there's something there was something in particular wrong with his car or just this kind of really difficult relationship he's got with Ferrari now that they both know that he's leaving he's got his eyes elsewhere Ferrari have got their eyes elsewhere you know they're having a struggling they're struggling anyway and you'd think that all of their focus is going just on Leclerc's car so unfortunately I think this could be a really tough year for Vettel 
Yeah, I, oh, funnily enough, I think uh, Seb would agree with you. I mean, his remarks that we put up a few hours ago from yesterday, that was basically what he said. Something doesn't stack up because, as you say, he was he was more than on the pace in Hungary. He was the faster car. Uh, he was the faster car in the wet uh, in Styria. So to be not only behind the club, but basically, you know, not in his league... Well, not even basically, I think it's quite clear he wasn't in his league. He just had no pace at all, is very strange. I mean, at the same time, there's mitigating circumstances. He just had an absolutely brutal weekend in terms of uh, reliability. Uh, weird things like his pedals. I don't. I still don't really understand what that's about. Is his pedals were loose or something like that? Uh, so yeah, there's definitely there's def- there was definitely a bit of weirdness going on there, and then it sort of just never got any better. Uh, I would. I think this weekend coming up, though, we should sort of expect to see him back close-ish to Leclerc. Uh, I don't think I'd, I'd sort of say, oh, just based on one result. Yep, Ferraris. Uh, they've they've taken a few HPs out of his car or done something funky. Um, let's save that for next week. But it is, but it is possible. I I wouldn't put it past Ferrari to do that either. No, I, I agree with you. Um, I think that. I think that uh, I really hope to see Vettel um, back to something like his best form next weekend because yeah, this week wasn't this wasn't kind of the Sebastian Vettel we've known even in the most recent seasons when he's he's kind of picked up a lot of criticism. It's been more for kind of mistakes and wheel to wheel racing, and not for just lacking any sort of pace. That's never been his issue. So I, I hope to see that rectified. Well, before we kind of wrap up, I guess what we have to obviously talk about is the crazy finish to this Grand Prix, um, which sees Valtteri Bottas have a his tyre explode two laps from the end. You know, he'd been complaining about vibrations for a while. He had been slowly kind of dropping back from Hamilton. And the gap for much of the race has been about two seconds, two and a half seconds. And it was kind of dropping back quite rapidly towards the end of the race with Bottas complaining about vibrations and then suddenly his tyre just just goes and he's only I think uh, I think it was around the loop where it happened maybe maybe a bit further on in the lap than there but anyway he's miles away from the pit lane he has to go all the way back Verstappen catches him he's dropping back to about 12th place with just a lap to go and suddenly he goes from a nailed on podium second place to finishing 11th and picking up no points so I mean a complete disaster for him in, and his title ambitions but you know just I don't think anyone really knows what happens was it the fact that you know Pirelli said that the maximum a number of laps these car, these tyres could realistically do was 44 and this I think Bottas' tyre blew on lap 47 you know there's the fact that you know, Lewis mentioned after the, the race it looked like Valtteri was really pushing throughout the race and he wasn't necessarily managing his tyres was it the fact that you know he's obviously you know, two seconds back from his teammate is, is in the dirty air that just creates uh, more tyre deg you know I think that maybe over the next couple of days we'll actually really find out what happened but uh, yeah I mean terrible for, for Bottas it's really unlucky Yeah, as you say, there's there's a lot going on there, and there could be uh, multiple explanations. It, it could, I mean, we know we just we know we've seen it before. Uh, Silverstone sort of 
not not consistently does these attires, but it's it's known to have done it in the past. Uh, so that's it's it's definitely that's that's one aspect you've got to consider. And then, as you say, he's in the dirty air. Uh, he's maybe his tires are having to work. He's having to use a bit more mechanical grip than the car in front of him. So you know, there's a bit more going on there that sort of affected it. I do want to say uh, you said I think you said 44 laps. Uh, Will on the the Pirelli said I'm not sure. I've seen a few numbers tossed around. I've seen 40 laps tossed around. I know uh, on the the strategy preview on Saturday that they sent out, they said something like 34 laps was sort of the optimal. Uh, so Bottas did uh, 37 uh, lap 13 to lap 50 when it blew. So he was definitely he was definitely pushing it. And I think the thing the thing for me that I think needs to be talked about the most is just the fact that. These are 2019 tires on 2020 cars, and we saw you compare qual- uh, qualifying times. He was, I think, three tenths faster uh, than his, his time last year. Lewis was six tenths. Uh, if the cars are faster, the tires need to keep up just in terms of supporting the extra load that's going through them. And you know, in a way, you're asking for trouble if you don't upgrade the tires. As much as whatever those tires were, I know were very unpopular that uh, Pirelli wanted to use in 2020, but they would have presumably been uh, also designed to account for the extra speed in the cars, which they might have needed now. So yeah, there's there's definitely a lot going on there. It's it's unlucky that, that happened to Valtteri. Uh, it really really dents his championship chances. Uh, not that they were particularly great to begin with, um, but yeah, I think it's definitely something that we'll be hearing a lot of in the coming days. And maybe when we talk talk next week, we could still be talking about that particular aspect of this race. And you know, obviously, the other thing is that they're going softer next weekend at Silverstone. So yeah, we could see some very very interesting things happen there. I mean, I'm not expecting another tire blowout, but do teams play it extra safe? Uh, you know, maybe running two sets of hards after starting on softs or something like that. Uh, I don't know. It's it's definitely, uh, I think those sort of things are in play though. Yeah, and uh, obviously we have uh, Hamilton's tyre blowing just two laps later as well. And, uh, you know, I guess fortunately for him, he was he was able to get home with just, uh, with just uh, three tyres uh, uh, functioning. And this was after Verstappen had pitted to try and get the fastest lap. So I do wonder why Mercedes didn't uh, take the decision to, to pit him as well. But uh, you know, in this interview afterwards, he said that it didn't look like um, it didn't look like the, the issue was too bad, and therefore he didn't didn't probably expect to see the tire the laminate to the extent that it did. But uh, I think this is something that may come out in the wash um, in the next couple of days. Um, so I guess just before we finish, we need to quickly run through our predictions and then kind of ha- cast an eye uh, to the 70th anniversary Grand Prix next weekend. Um, <clears throat> in terms of our predictions for this week, uh, surprise, surprise, we both picked that Lewis Hamilton would win uh, and we were correct. But unfortunately, that were the only pick- they were the only points that we picked up because both of us had Bottas coming second, uh, which we were only two, two laps away. Um, but then... I went for Verstappen to come third, but obviously he picked up a nice second place. Uh, whereas Ben went for Sergio Perez, uh, who didn't even race. So, yep, we uh, haven't haven't covered ourselves in in glory there. Um, 
when it goes to the first DNF, I went for Alex Albon, uh, which I guess was close in the sense because uh, he was actually the one involved in the incident with Magnussen, whereas Ben went for Giovinazzi. Again, I think a pretty decent choice considering his record around Silverstone. But uh, no, he did he did finish uh, finishing up uh, in I think thirteenth place. Um, so on to our predictions for next week. Ben, are you gonna are you gonna mix things up, or how, how would you see it playing out uh, second time round? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it would be fun to keep it just the same and pick uh, Sergio Perez for third again. But something tells me that's not going to happen. So I am going to mix it up a little bit. I'm going uh, Lewis uh, and Valtteri. I think he gets back to second, but Lewis will be too good again. Third, I'm going for... Verstappen's too easy. You don't want to say Verstappen. As, as much as he would be the uh, favorite to take that position. I think uh, maybe something weird happens and we get uh, Charlie Leclerc backing up his uh, P3 from this position, uh, from this week. So I'm going with him again. Uh, first DNF, I am going to go for Daniil Kvyat. Yeah, he's going to have a, another rough time at Silverstone. <sighs> poor, poor Kvyat. Um, after what was a pretty... Yeah, sorry. Pretty nasty accident this week. Going into a uh, going into a concrete wall, um, kind of coming in towards Magnus and Beckett's which uh, Yeah, good to see that he w- he was okay. Um, for me, I'm going with uh, Lewis Hamilton to win once again, uh, and I think I'll probably have to go with Bottas uh, in second place. Uh, as boring as that is. Um, However, my third spot on the podium, I'm going to say, is uh, Nico Hülkenberg. Uh, I think that after a proper practice session, we can really get to grips with that racing point. I think the racing point is going to be stronger next weekend. They're, they're going to have learned from their mistakes, and Hülkenberg is going to take that elusive podium that he has never managed to, to um, achieve so far in his career. So I'm going to go for an outside bet, and I think Hülkenberg is going to end up on the podium. Uh, finally, and get get what he deserves. I um, love it. Well, in my first DNF, ooh, I'm gonna go for Grosjean. Um, uh, we haven't we haven't seen a proper Grosjean crash this <laughs> season, and given some of his defending uh, against Norris and Ricardo, I can see that happening. It's so, coming. It is coming. Uh, so that's what that's what I'm gonna go for. Um, but yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to the race. I think that we might see a slightly different race next week because I think, you know, without the safety cars, we'll see a bit more of that kind of usual action that we do see at Silverstone. So I'm going to hope for that. Um, Ben, thanks as always for joining me. Um, And please, if you enjoy the podcast, uh, do give us a like uh, and even write a review. Um, You can also uh, visit our website, www.grandprix247.com or visit us on Twitter at grandprix 247 uh, we'll have plenty of reaction to uh, this week's race and uh, all the Formula 1 action coming up. Um, so once again, thanks for listening and we'll speak to you next week.